out in the hall there's people doing things and i will read to figure out what those things are before talking more yes (laughs) (laughs) welcome to stargazing a stargate gazing podcast i'm your host kathy And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Okay, how are you? Okay, just having technical microphone difficulties that I'm working on. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's just positioning it. I'm fine. Ah. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. (laughs) You are sounding echoey. Now you sound better. Okay, good. Hello. Oh, oh, hello. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Weirdo. Yes. How are you doing? Okay. I just woke up from a nap. Ooh. Sorry if I'm sleepy. Nice. Naps are good. They are. Yeah. I like our midday weekend recordings better, I think, than our evening recordings, which we are currently doing. Agreed. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. This weekend didn't work out. So now we're back to our original <laughs> Wednesday <laughs> evening recording time, which we decided didn't work. Sometimes you just have to do that. <laughs> Record on <Yes>. a Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good times. Oh, yeah. How's how's your week? It's fine. There's nothing super exciting about it. And the thing that sort of kept my mood okay I've been riding this wave of uh, comeuppance since Sunday. (laughs) I was pulling out of a shopping plaza parking, or I was waiting at a light to leave a shopping (laughs) plaza parking lot. I was in the right lane. There's a left lane, too. Cars backed up quite a ways back. And (laughs) some asshole just drives in between the two lanes and takes a left turn on a red light. Oh, wow. But then... In the shopping plaza across the street, there was a cop and he pulled him over. And I was like, (laughs) so many entitled assholes who are terrible drivers never get anything. And this guy got pulled over. And I was like, this is going to bring me joy all week. Yeah, that's actually, that's pretty great. Because there are some very bad drivers in, Connecticut's pretty notorious for its bad driving. But it's well-earned stereotype that we have. And yeah, they so rarely seem to get what they got coming to them. Yeah. That's delightful. And just, people just seem to be getting worse and worse. Oh, yeah. It's I feel, it's definitely mm. gotten worse since the pandemic yeah. times started when, like, nobody was on the road. So everyone was just like, wee, I'm going to go 100 miles an hour and stop obeying all traffic laws. And then when the lockdown lifted, people kept driving that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's so much worse than it had been. Yeah, the, the week before that, I stopped at a stop sign waiting to turn left and there was all this traffic because it was a busy road and it was like five o'clock in the evening. And there are three or four cars behind me and somebody just pulls up on my left, cuts me off and just takes a left turn in front of all these people. It's just yeah, like, lovely. wow. Yeah, oh. that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. So anyway, I enjoyed that one <laughs> instance of somebody getting pulled over by a cop. I was on my way home from work today, and sadly, there were no cops involved because there for sure should have been. But our light turned green. I was going to go left on the highway, but the people coming off the highway just decided to keep going. Oh, my God. I had a left turn arrow, so I had the right of way to go left. But people coming off the highway just weren't stopping for their red light. So we couldn't go get on the highway. That's so annoying. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I don't mean one car who was like trying to race and get the red light. I mean, like a bunch of cars (laughs) just all kept going. (laughs) 
Yeah. Good times. And then I had the other day, somebody cut me off. They were signaling right, and then they cut me off by merging left into oh my, my lane. <laughs> and I had to slam on my brakes to keep from hitting them yeah. because, yeah, because oh. uh, I was currently there. <laughs> and they were signaling the opposite way. So, yeah. When I was younger, I was the more impatient driver, but I was yeah. never running red lights in the middle of the day right. at an intersection where everyone else was stopped. It's just not worth the time and energy to no. be impatient or be angry and like I'm just like all right <laughs> I will go as slow as this traffic will allow I don't care yeah. I'm not gonna speed up to beat it through this red light like no I'm chilled out I'm just looking forward for the day when we all have our self-driving cars mm, indeed and it will be delightful <laughs> as long as they don't run over pedestrians or cyclists True, but the rare occasion that that has happened it, it has been my understanding that the people have actually just jumped out in front of the cars. Like, literally jumped out in front of the cars? Literally jumped in front of the cars to in what order happens? to cause an uh, People are literally throwing rocks at them, and that's a little there much. have been people who have thrown themselves in front of them because they're so opposed to autonomous vehicles for reasons I don't comprehend. That's messed up. I just can't imagine putting that much care into people testing this out people yeah, are weird. I, I get it i'm cautious about such things but <laughs> i don't think i i would ever be so upset about it that i would want to go throw rocks at a car or or jump in right? front of it yeah yeah it's weird oh my goodness people are weird they are weird yeah this is very relevant to today's it's episode. so relevant I don't even remember what happened in today's episode. It's oh, been no. so long since I've watched it. When at this did you point. watch it? <laughs> I watched it on Friday for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I watched it on Friday in preparation for the weekend, and now it's Wednesday. Oops. Okay, I'll figure it out as we go. Well, it's called Crossroads. It's season four, episode four. Oh, so this isn't completely irrelevant. There's roads there, in the title. Y- there are. <laughs> Were there any roads in this episode? I don't think so but like i said i don't really remember it yeah so yeah as we often do we begin in the gate room with the gate dialing and an off-world activation happening (gasps) for a second i was like wait did i start the right episode this is the last episode isn't it it's like all the episodes (laughs) they get a signal from braytac so they uh, go on down and open the iris and wait to greet him down in the gate room, a person comes through the gate. We do not know who because they are in a robe and they have the robe obstructing their face. Yeah, that was weird. Why would they have it completely down over their face? Well, we need that surprise. I don't know. <laughs> Extra <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so they're a little bit alarmed. The people in the room aim their weapons. But then she takes off her hood. Peek-a-boo. And it's a woman. She's got a gold tattoo, but not like Teal's gold tattoo. It's one of the flat ones. Yeah, his is like raised relief, whereas hers is just flat. Yeah. Jack is like, Braytac, you've done something with your hair. (laughs) The woman introduces herself as Shonak. 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 Sure. Shonak. One of those. (laughs) Yes, but she is of the Red Hills. And apparently Braytac 
opened the Stargate for her and signaled them, but he could not come with her because there's a lot going on on Chulak and he could not get away. Teal'c, who was not yet there, comes in and is like, oh, Shonak! <laughs> he heads on over to greet her and they say, Kelmate, something or other. They greet each other. It's pretty obvious that they've been more than just yeah. friends at some point in the past. Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. Jack asks Teal'c for an introduction, but Shonak says there's no need because she has learned all about them from Braytac. She's like, you're O'Neill. Teal'c's apprentice. <laughs> Jack Jack is a little surprised about. <laughs> a little surprised and annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> When Hammond comes in, she greets him as Hammond of Texas. So I guess Braytac has described them well enough to be able to recognize them on site. Apparently. I guess Hammond's a bald man who seems to be in charge. I guess that would be <laughs> true. a good description. True. I like my headcanon, though, that Braytac is just a very talented sketch artist. Yeah, that sounds good, too. Yeah. 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 Shonak then gets down to business and says she needs to be taken to the Tok'ra right now because she has information that could destroy the gold. <gasps> Credits. In the briefing room, everyone, including Fraser and Shonak, are gathered around the table trying to debate whether or not it's possible what she's saying when she claims that she has figured out how to communicate with her symbiote. Tilk does not believe her. But Shonak is insistent that, well, you were taught to believe it's impossible, but really it is possible. They just didn't want us to know it was possible. And she says that if you go into a deep enough state of Kilnarim, that's when you can then communicate and send messages, not verbally, but send messages and images back and forth between symbiote and host. Fraser weighs in that the symbiote is essentially like an internal organ, but that even in a person... Hormones and electrical impulses are exchanged on a completely unconscious level, so she doesn't really seem so convinced that communication with the symbiote can happen. But Shonak, again, continues to insist, taking her many years, but it's true, it's real, she's able to do it, and she wants to convince them, because... Apparently, she has done so much communicating with her own Gua'uld that she has been able to convince it of the error of the Gua'uld ways and has managed to convert it to a Tok'ra, essentially. So her hagfish wants to join the side of good instead of the side of evil. And if she can do it, then everyone can do it, and then they can beat the Gua'uld. <laughs> Woo! I don't know why that just makes me think that evil will always triumph <laughs> because good is dumb. But that's what popped into my head as I was saying that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jack wants to know why the symbiote can't just communicate in words to reveal all the secrets of the Gua world and whatnot. But Shonak again says that they only communicate in images and feelings and memories and they don't have verbal communications. And then it turns out that her symbiote is ready for a host like now and so if she doesn't get a host for this symbiote and has to keep acting as its host then she's gonna die as she's continuing to try to argue this as if trying to prove the fact that shanak needs to find a new home for this symbiote it starts moving around and tries to come out and that's gross and i hate it and it apparently causes her a lot of pain and then she falls on the ground in agony so they take her to the infirmary, 
Yay. In the infirmary. Shonok's in a bed, sleeping, supposedly. Tilk's hanging out with her. Dr. <laughs> Fraser is having a little conversation with Hammond and Jack, who she's confirmed that the Gwauld is an adult. She doesn't have much time before the symbiote's just gonna go find a host. That's cool. Yeah. She wants to have Shonok locked away. Quarantine, but you know, they're gonna lock her yeah. away. But Shonok, who is not actually asleep, objects to this. Fraser's like, I gave you a sedative. You should be asleep. <laughs> Haven't they already established that sedatives don't really work well on the Jaffa? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she tried like a really strong one. But anyway, she said that her Kalma has neutralized the sedative. And Tilk <laughs> is upset with this choice of word because apparently it means child. And he tells her the demon is no child, but she's like, <laughs> don't I carry him as I would a baby? Have I not Ugh. taught it right from wrong, just like a mom? So that's kind of weird and gross, I think. Yeah, quite strange. Tilk then asks to speak alone with Shonak. They all leave. Shonak's like, I don't understand why you would doubt me. This is my life's work. And Tilk's like, yeah, you've spent your life worshipping the Gould. But she's like, no, no, I've come to see that you're right. They are false gods. Even though I was a priestess in the temple. She describes her first mind meld with her hagfish. That is when she realized that they were not gods. She offers to figure out how to make Tilk believe in her, as Braytac already does. That's the end of that scene, I hope. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's all this episode is, is just talking. <laughs> yeah, it really is. In Daniel's office, Sam, Jack, and Daniel are all gathered and discussing the situation and the fact that Fraser says that Shalanak has maybe a couple days at the most before the situation becomes even more dire than it already is. So I guess at that point she will die and the symbiote will just force its way free and find a new host. So that's gross to contemplate. Yep. Yeah, I hate that. They discuss the fact that she's a temple priestess, so that apparently would have gotten in the way of any relationship that she had had with Teal'c. And then they start gossiping <laughs> about how it seems that they did have a relationship at one point. <laughs> Jack isn't so convinced that Shanak's symbiote would really be able to tell the Tok'ra any more than they currently know, but Sam points out that the queen, who essentially was the mother to all of the Tok'ra, left the whole Gua'uld gene pool over 2,000 years ago, so really there's about 2,000 years worth of technology and knowledge and information that this new symbiote could potentially pass on to the Tok'ra if they're able to get in touch with them and if the Tok'ra agree to provide a host for this one. But they're all still a bit skeptical, and especially Jack says that if Tilk doesn't buy it, then why would anybody else? And that there's no way to prove it. Really, what else can they do about it? Then Tilk comes in, and Jack addresses him as Master <laughs> Tilk. And he specifically tells Jack that he needs his help, and also, I need everyone else's assistance. And yeah. it's like, why did he come in and only address Jack if he needed it all of them? It was weird. It was <laughs> just... Yeah. He ignored the others when he came in. Yep. Went right to Jack. Yeah. But oh, strange. by the way, Daniel, Sam, yeah. I need you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. They have joined Teal'c in his quarters, which 
Teal'c has lit his many candles. I I don't know how many hours it was. Maybe it went faster because right? his uh, friends were there to help. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Unless he pre-lit the candles. Oh, that's possible too. I would worry that when I opened the door that they would all blow yeah. out though. So I would hope he hadn't pre-lit them because who knows what the circulation is like in this very yeah. very far underground bunker. What if like he accidentally knocked one over and started a fire yeah. while he was out of the room? Ooh, that would suck also. Yeah. Don't leave lit candles unattended and for sure don't leave a thousand <laughs> lit candles unattended. I'm going to go with Teal'c and friends all lit the candles. Yeah. So instead of taking an hour, maybe it took like yeah. 15 minutes. They've lit all the candles because <laughs> Teal'c is planning to go into such a deep state of Kelnorim that his heart may stop. <laughs> which the hagfish generally do not allow the Jaffa <laughs> to do. There are rumors about people who study meditation that can actually make their heart stop as well. But huh. to my knowledge, there's no actual scientific evidence of that. But there are, are many rumors that it is possible, mm. even if you're just a human without a symbiote. Hmm. Just a human, no symbiote. I don't know that it's advisable, <laughs> even it if it is possible. It doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> I'm not really sure why you would want to do that yeah. or what benefit there would be. <laughs> so in, in this is the state that Shonak says that she was able to communicate with her symbiote. So he is going to try it. Sam likens it to a near-death experience. Jack asks if it's dangerous, and Daniel's like, Jack, he's stopping his heart. <laughs> and I laughed. And Jack's like, I meant for us. It was just really funny. I really appreciated that they put that in because it's very entertaining. Yeah, that's great. Teal explains, though, that the only danger would be that he's not sure what will happen and he might need to be restrained. So I guess that could be a danger. Jack tells him to go on ahead. Teal'c starts meditating. He sees a vision of a, a Jaffa being dragged off. Teal'c opens his eyes and says, that was my father. Hmm. And so Teal'c goes back in and then watches another vision. And this time it is more complete. And we see Cronus murder Teal'c's father. A.K.A. Vigo the Crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now is a season of evil. Evil? This is extremely distressing. Teal'c collapses. Sam's like, oh no, medical emergency. But then Teal'c's like, never mind. So she says, never mind. <laughs> Verbatim, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Not quite, but sure. <laughs> It's very good scripting they have going on in this episode. <laughs> Tilk reports that he did indeed get a vision from his symbiote and that a symbiote hates his guts. <laughs> the guts in which yep. he lives. <laughs> and so they conclude that Shonak may be onto something here. I don't really see why everyone is quite so surprised with this because it's, we already know that the hagfish can communicate with their host when they're taken over their... Yeah brain so why is it so surprising that they could communicate with their Jaffa host also I don't know like, haven't we learned that they don't even necessarily need to stay in the brainstem that's where they normally hang out but they don't have to stay I there don't know. I can't remember 
when they're in. I'm thinking about trying to commune with my appendix. Do you think it'll work? (laughs) Yes, I absolutely do. And I think that you should dedicate your whole life to doing it. (laughs) I'm sure it'll have tales to tell. (laughs) It sure will. Back in the day when we had a second stomach, it can tell you all about that. Excellent. And now it will tell you tales of the bacteria that are stored in it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff that you can learn from your appendix. Sweet. <laughs> Outside of Kathy's <laughs> appendix and in the briefing room, Anise is back. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. She's giving them more information about Egeria, who is the queen that was mentioned before as being the person who essentially spawned all of the Tok'ra. Egeria is apparently a Roman goddess of fountains, which is thrilling and helpful to know. I didn't see the word fountain anywhere in that Wikipedia page, but she does have water properties. Oh, interesting. And apparently childbirth of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed okay. Relatively relevant. Yeah. Yeah. She was also the advisor to someone named Numa Pompilius. He was the... Pompilius? Yeah. I ha- I I did look these up. I remembered to yeah, do that nice. this time. Excellent. <laughs> he was the second king of Rome after Romulus. Oh, you know, legend says I don't know. Yeah, but and Azuria was basically like taught him everything about building a society, and like she imparted all kinds of knowledge to him. He's credited with things like the Roman calendar. And a bunch of other stuff. And a bunch of their, like, laws and things like that. He wrote everything down in books. But then he insisted on being buried with them when he died. So so goes. <laughs> well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> but then about four or five hundred years later, someone came upon his tomb and the tomb of his books. But then it turns out the current governing body thought the things that were contained in the books were too dangerous and ordered them burned. Yeah. So we call the tomb of books a tomb tome? Yeah. Yes. A tome tome. tomb. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I learned today. Interesting. And yeah, they refer to it as legendary. Legend? Wait for it. Dairy. Legendary. So I assume that there's no actual evidence Right. I mean, there's not any evidence of Romulus and Remus being real either, right? Yeah, exactly. So Romulan vessel, you are now in Federation territory. I would assume that that's a bit of a fantastical tale yeah. also. Yeah. Interesting. This, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. This Egeria, though. This Egeria, yes. This one came to Earth to try to stop the, the Gua'uld from taking people from Earth to be slaves. And Ra found out she was doing this and killed her. But she had already spawned their movement at this point. And Carter asks, literally? Yes, literally. (laughs) But then they really couldn't ever increase their numbers from there because they didn't have a new Tok'ra queen to replace the the one that they had already lost. So over the years, they've lost more and more people to death or illness or symbiotes that couldn't find a host and they weren't willing to force somebody to become a host. And I noticed as Anise was continuing to talk that she moves her head an awful lot <laughs> while she talks, and it was weird and distracting. <laughs> I was actually paying more attention to her moving her head up and down as she spoke than I was to what she was actually saying. <laughs> Long story short, she's going to propose to the council that they accept the offer. 
and it's risky, so that might take a while for them to figure out what they're going to do. Tilk reminds her that Shantak's symbiote is fully mature, so they really only have a couple days at most, but Anise is going to hurry on her way. Before she goes, Tilk asks if he can make a personal request, <laughs> and that personal request would be that maybe they find her a new symbiote so that she doesn't die. That might be nice. And Anise will see what she can do about that as well. I appreciate that Anise can't actually handle interacting on a personal level, so she lets Freya <laughs> come out and respond to that request. <laughs> I hadn't even noticed that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. Anise is all business. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Okay. Also, now I'm thinking about hagfish queens. How do they come about? Yeah. Did they talk about it at all? I, I don't can't remember. remember. They did. The only other one we've seen is Hathor, right? Yeah, and there have yeah. been mentions of other ones besides her, but I don't know. Actually, yeah, I don't know that they ever do talk about where they come from. I had thought that maybe, like, if a male Gua'uld were to mate with a human, maybe that's where it comes from? Like a human, not Gua'uld. Uh, we already know that okay. two Gua'ulds. Right, they just make a... Uh... Getting it on and make a harcesis, yes. but what if it's like a... A male Gua'uld and a, a human non-Gua'uld. Maybe? I don't anyway, know. I'm thinking, I'm just pulling things out of my ass at this point. <laughs> that's where you keep those things. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With my advanced knowledge of anatomy and physiology, that is the conclusion that I come to. That things get pulled out of your asses. And then, yay, you have a tagfish queen. Yay! Yay! Logic. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, on base... <laughs> <laughs> Shonok has been released from the infirmary and has been given her own quarters somewhere. They have also given her many candles, which she has lit and is meditating. Do you think they made her light them when she's not feeling good, or do you think they were nice enough to light them all for her? I don't know. She might have insisted. She's True. a Jaffa. They're pretty like... Mm. Although we just, just have Teal'c have all his friends do it. So you know what? She yeah. had her guards help. Yeah. I assume she has guards. Yeah. Group yeah. effort. Candle lighting is always a group effort. It should be anyway. Yes. When there are thousands of candles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they could make a competition out of speed lighting candles. <laughs> Maybe. When they're bored. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> Teal goes to visit her. To let her know that the Tok'ra are considering her offer. Teal'c wants to know why she waited so long when she's clearly, like, on her last leg here. And she said she was afraid Teal'c would not believe. Good call. Yes. And she says she's been thinking about him all this time. Apparently they've known each other a very long time because she references that when we were children you were the strongest and the bravest... She believed strongly in Teal'c, so that when Teal'c turned sides, it left her with doubts. <laughs> she thinks that Teal'c belongs on Chulak. Teal'c's like, not sure about that. And she says, but what about when I die? You're the only one who can teach others what I've done. So they're just arguing. Teal'c's like, yeah, leave me alone about that. <laughs> He's basically saying that his place is there yeah. and she's accusing him of abandoning <laughs> yeah. his people and he's obviously trying to argue that that's not what he's done. Yes. He goes to leave, but she calls him back with a question 
asking what he saw when he communed with his symbiote. Tilk tells him the murder of his father. And she's like, yes, it wanted to show you fear, but you're stronger than that. Why does it seem like it succeeded here? She explains that her beginnings with her hagfish were the same because the hagfish just wanted to show terrible things because hagfish are terrible. They are. (laughs) I was just about to say something along those lines myself. (laughs) Except for that she says, oh, as time went on, her kalma, which again is a word for child... Not how I ever thought of the hagfish I was caring for. But the hagfish apparently began showing her beautiful, caring images. Unconvinced. Hagfish know nothing of beauty. (laughs) In my personal experience, they only know of slime and grossness. Teal'c also is concerned about losing her a second time. Oh, oh. Mm. And she's like, never again. And then they kiss. That's the end of the scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. I was just thinking about Teal'c's happy face after this. Oh. <laughs> Teal'c has a nice post-coital glow, we'll call it. <laughs> That's true. Daniel coyly notices that Teal'c is just coming out of Shanok's Shanta- quarters and invites Teal'c for dinner. But nope, Teal'c is too busy for dinner. Daniel decides to start asking some personal questions about Tilk being preoccupied. Is everything okay? Like, uh, you want to talk about it, buddy? But Tilk doesn't. He just grabs Daniel's shoulder and says that if all the Fa could be taught to commune with their symbiote, then the days of the gold are truly numbered, and he is delighted about this. And also, apparently, if Shanak recovers, he's going to leave and go with her and forget about the fact that he has a wife and a mission here. <laughs> he's going to just go be by Shanak's side. Yeah, I feel like his wife is going to have something to say about that. Right? <laughs> Maybe they don't believe in Unagi on another planet. Although, we've already seen that that's not the yeah. case. <laughs> Maybe Teal'c's like, well, I can do non-monogamy, but you can't. Yeah, that's very hypocritical, yeah. Teal'c. I don't approve of that type of hypocrisy. Sam comes up and says that they just got word from the Tok'ra that they're going to accept Shonak's offer. And it is time to go now. Woo! So, let's go to the gate room. Hell yeah. Yeah. Tilk was so happy. I've never seen Tilk so happy. He was, like, he's glowing right? through, like, he much is, literally. of the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's got to have been a really long time since he's gotten any. I know. But, I mean, I think he's also got joy about the potential of destroying the hagfish. I think it's all just, like, this ball of, like, hope. True. True, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while since he's gotten any. Last time he was trying to see his family, he got called back. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's shitty. Anyway. But it's okay, because they don't matter anymore anyway. (laughs) Yeah. He's leaving them for (laughs) Shonak. The team go to the Tokra world, which they call Vorash. Vorash. Sure. Anise is there to greet them as they ring down into their tunnels. (laughs) (laughs) She greets... Shonak, and Shonak's like, it's honored to meet you. She's totally got a thing for Jack, right? Anise? Yeah. Because after what she said at the end of the last episode, and then after she greets Shonak here, she says that it's an equal pleasure to see Jack. That's and true. then, like, doesn't even acknowledge any of the other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for that, she goes over to Sam and shakes her hand. Oh, right. Actually, like, yeah, I forgot about that. Your father asked that I shake your hand yeah. and give Colonel O'Neill a big kiss from him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
maybe she intentionally got that back. She might have. She just wanted to give Jack a kiss. Yeah. He's like, uh, Sam's like, maybe the other way around? Jack's like, (laughs) maybe. Jack asks for Freya. Freya reports that they have good news. They've captured a hagfish. Donok is like, you've done this for me? Freya's like, yeah, but not just for you. You, If you have really done what you say you have, your life is even more valuable than any of ours. Shonok whispers to her hagfish, baby, it will not be long now, or child. Anise and Freya lead them down a corridor. She explains they found a willing and eager host for Shonok's hagfish. I would like to add that the guards that were escorting them down the hall were not wearing pants. Thank you for checking on the pants. You're welcome. I only tried to watch the pants later in the episode when they're all trying to mm. catch Teal. <laughs> <laughs> and they were also still not wearing pants then. Yes. But at least I feel like they were wearing tunics that were shaped better. They were like a little bit more shaped to them. So it didn't look like they were just wearing shirts. It looked more intentional. <laughs> There was one guy who was wearing gray leggings, though. I did see that. Yes, there was one. But these guards in this hall in particular did not have any. The fight later, the guy that jumped on top of Teal Kid did have actual pants. (laughs) Spoiler alert, there's a fight later. She leads them to another room in the tunnels where she introduces them to the volunteer, Hebron of Paraval. And Jack's like, "Uh, why are you doing this, bud? Do you know what's going to happen here? And Anise is like, well, we told him. And Jack's like, well, you told him, but did you you tell him? You leave stuff out. (laughs) Hebron, though, explains that his people were once enslaved and he is willing to do this to gain whatever benefit they can. And Hebron asks, what can you tell me about my new roomie? (laughs) Shonak tells him that he... Forswears his birthright and wants to stop the gold from causing more harm. And Heaven's like, cool. We are soulmates. <laughs> Shunok then collapses on the floor in pain. It has to happen right now, apparently. And <laughs> Anise is like, yeah, we're not ready. But Shunok's like, we have to. And then <laughs> Heaven rips his shirt open and is like, bring it on. <laughs> Why did he do that? I don't know. (laughs) Take me. You don't need to open your shop. And then the hagfish pops out of Shonak and heads on into Hebron's neck through the front. Yeah, which is also weird because we've seen the back entry at the the base of the skull. And then we've seen the front entry through the mouth. But this hagfish is like, no, I'm doing as much damage as possible and going in through the throat. (laughs) Hebron, uh, his eyes glow. So we know that things have happened. And then Hebron is able to stand on up. And in hagfish voice, he's like, there was no time. Cookies. (laughs) <laughs> Shh, there's always yes. time for cookies Shonok needs her hagfish now and I need cookies cookies and his shirt was intact again <laughs> when he started <laughs> I noticed also <laughs> despite yeah. having been ripped open needlessly before he introduces himself as Tanith and says it's his honor to pledge his allegiance to the Tok'ra cookie <laughs> 
Nothing ominous whatsoever no. about that scene. No. You know, and even when he was Hebron, mm-hmm. he creeped me out anyway. He de- yeah, he was he was very yeah. creepy. He seems like just had bad guy yeah. vibes. But nope, totally legitimate. Absolutely yep. nothing's going to go wrong no. here. Yeah. Everything always works out so well. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Later, the team is in the hallway waiting to find out about what happened with Shanak, and Anise comes in and reports that she's very weak, and the symbiote that they got was very young, so it might be a little bit touch and go, but she's probably going to be fine. Then the guy from before, who Jack addresses as Hebron, but who is also Tanith, comes in. Tanith is the one doing the talking, but Jack asks if they can have Hebron come out at that point, and Hebron's like, yeah, it's me, I'm here. Everything is true. Everything they're saying is true. This is very strange. But I'm here. Jack rightfully asks, well, how do we know that? Because we've, on many occasions in the past, heard (laughs) Gould talking without using their rusting hagfish voice. Hebron slash Tannis say, well, you can do whatever test you want. So Anise says the testing will happen when the time is appropriate, whenever that is. Jack thinks that the timing is appropriate now, but Anise doesn't agree for reasons. Well, it's not just the testing, it's the uh, sharing of knowledge. True. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They discuss what the timeline looks like for sharing information, but the Tok'ra all want to understandably wait a little bit just to make sure everything is on the up and up before they start revealing any of their secrets. SG-1 is pretty pissed off about that. They want to get things moving now, 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 now. So Jack asks if he can hang up with Anise and talk to Freya instead. (laughs) Anise wants to know why, and it's because Jack likes Freya. (laughs) But Anise says, well, we're in agreement, so Freya wouldn't have anything different to say anyway. Tilk and Shanak come in, and it seems that Shanak is doing pretty well at this point. She's feeling a lot better. And she goes up to Tanith who delightfully says her name as she comes up and says how good it is to see her from the outside. Shanak says it's something that she had never dreamed of. They'll have some time to catch up at some point, but now is not the right time for that because Shanak is still very weak and she needs to rest. So the team is going to go back to Earth and report to General Hammond while they're waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah. They all take a walk. Yeah. Anise is, please don't be offended by our complete lack of cooperation. Jack's like, yeah, we're getting used to that. Thanks. They get to the ring area. Jack tells Tilk he can come back and visit Shonak after their debriefing. If it's all right with our good friends and allies. Anise says he's welcome. Tilk says, I need a moment. The rest of the team rings out and Tilk stays behind to talk to Shonak and tells her that he's going to tell the SGC that he is leaving their service to spend all of eternity with his side piece. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a terrible. (laughs) She's going to wait for him and then they're going to wander Chulak and spread the good news together. (laughs) Yep. And Tilk heads on home. Yeah. Think his wife will mind? (laughs) I mean, she's already used to him being elsewhere doing something else. true. At least on Earth, he's not just hooking up with other women. She's not on Chulak, though. Maybe he just leaves her stashed on whatever planet they've got her on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't remember where they went, but yeah, yeah, you're right. They're not on Chulak. (laughs) So I guess she'll never know. So no harm, no foul. Secret family. Like, perfect. 
Yep. Yeah. Later in Tanith's quarter, Shawnak comes in. He's surprised to see her because she's supposed to be resting, but she was just so excited to see him that she needed to come in and talk to him. And Tanith's like, all right, fine, then we will talk about your audacity. <laughs> I don't think that they meant the audio editing software either. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Shawnak is confused. And Tanith says, how dare a priestess touch the mind of one who would be her god? Oops. Not too surprisingly, no. turns out he's not really converted. He's been lying the whole time and just trying to fool Shanak with the peaceful images so that exactly what has happened so far would happen. <laughs> he wanted to go be able to infiltrate the Tokra and destroy them. And now he's well on his way to doing that. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he says to accept her reward. Okay. With the heavy implication that he's about to go up and kill her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in the SGC, the team is gathered in the briefing room with General Hammond. They're all kind of sitting on one side of the table where Teal'c is standing on the other end, telling them yeah, he's leaving for good. It was also weird, though, because like when we saw him standing on the other end of the table, he was facing away from all of them. Yeah. So he was talking to a wall. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the only thing that would have been over there was a wall. So he was standing and facing the wall while speaking yeah. to them. They're, uh, they're a little bit like, what? Are you sure? Leave of absence? Yeah. And Jack's like, yeah, because Jack says he means leave of absence until it's like, I have said what I mean, O'Neill. They are all objecting and asking questions. Tilk is like, no, I belong on Chulak, where I am most needed, at Shonak's side. Oh. Mm -hmm. At that moment, though, the gate activates and we hear off-world activation. So they uh, head on over to the gate room to see what's going on. There is an incoming traveler, and it is the Tok'ra. They, of course, open the iris. Anise comes first and tells Tilk that, unfortunately, it's with great sorrow that she returns. Carrot stick, all right. And then they bring in a stretcher with a body. You can't see who it is because they've covered the person with a sheet. But Anise says that they have found Shanak's body outside of her chamber. She's dead. The symbiote is dead. It's very disappointing. Maybe if they had found a more mature larva, but they're just chalking it up to succumbing to her injuries and are not assuming murder always assume murder right seriously yeah. Tilk goes up pulls down the sheet sees that it is in fact Shanak that is there and is clearly very upset and he leans in to give her a little kiss and says something that Daniel translates to our love does not end in death later in Tilk's quarters he is meditating and tries to contact his symbiote again. He gets another vision, just like before, of his father screaming in pain as Cronus crushes the symbiote inside of him. So that's really gross. Yes. And this started to make me wonder, what do the symbiotes do to pass the time when they're just hanging out in their host? Because they're supposedly conscious beings, yeah. sentient beings. And what do they do? They just, <laughs> just like sit do they get bored? I don't know. Does he have little cards that he can play solitaire with? Or some video games? Maybe. Yeah. And then when they take over a person, do they remember what it was like to be a hagfish sitting in a slimy pouch all day? Or 
Is it kind of like when you're a baby and you don't really have recollections of being a baby once you're an adult? Good questions. Questions we don't have answers no. to. Yeah. I mean, at least them being a very violent and ambitious group, their incubators are often fighting and getting hurt. So they do spend a lot of time with their hard hat and their lunch pail wandering around the body mm. fixing them. So This is true. Yeah. yeah, that's very true, too. I wonder if taking a human host, maybe that's their retirement. Like, they've worked this difficult life. Oh, yeah. You know, trying to keep these Jaffa alive even though they keep having wounds and yeah so now they're retiring to Florida and driving around in the sports car human <laughs> <Maybe>. body <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep it's too bad if you take the top down on your convertible human body it stops <laughs> <laughs> yes they do not advise that <laughs> if, if the hagfish wants some wind in its hair <laughs> then it doesn't work anymore <laughs> very annoying they should have like <laughs> sprung for the luxury one with the hole in. The, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that be a Jaffa then? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. The T-top version Basically. instead of the convertible. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe the hagfish don't like wind. Mm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> they prefer. They don't like convertible. The climate-controlled uh, insides of humans. Yeah. They don't have any hair for the wind to blow through yeah. anyways. That must be oh, it. Yeah. That's their retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back in Tilk's room, <laughs> Jack comes in and Tilk suddenly opens his eyes and says that Shanak was murdered. <gasps> Who would have guessed? Right? Who would have thought? That was that yeah. scene. <laughs> they head straight on back to Vorash and come to talk to Anise. And he's just like, you guys are early because we haven't gotten any information yet. They're not there, though, to talk about Tanith's information. They're there to talk about how Tanith is a spy and he's murdered Shonak. And he explains how Cronus murdered his father by crushing the symbiote. And he says that they did it in a way that allowed the blood of the symbiote to mix directly with his father's blood. Which Gross. is apparently a slow and painful way for the Jaffa to die. He explains this was revealed to him in a vision from his symbiote. I guess they didn't rush right here. Dr. Fraser maybe did some autopsy work on Shonak because they found hagfish blood in her bloodstream. Yeah, they must so, have at least done yeah, some, some tests. Blood yeah. Testing. So Anise is like, and you're here for revenge? And Tilk's like, yes, I have come for revenge. <laughs> and she's like, no, we can't let you do that. And Tilk's like, I'm angry and I am doing this anyway. He doesn't say that. He just looks angry. But then he starts knocking over uh, Tokra and running for Tanith. And Anise is like, yeah. stop him. Yeah. And this is when he gets uh, jumped on by the one guy wearing yes. pants while bowling over all the guys not wearing yeah. pants. <laughs> yeah. They rustle him to the ground, and then they're all just kind of standing around and talking about this situation. And Anise mm -hmm. had mentioned in a previous scene that they don't have any doors because they have nothing to hide from one another. So it doesn't feel smart to have this conversation out in the open that they're having if they don't have any doors. <laughs> I'm just going to preface this whole scene with that because what? That is a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Jack tries to calm Tilk down by telling him they're going to get the hagfish out of 
Hebron, and Anise is like, no, he's more valuable the way he is. And they're like, you knew? And then, of course, Freya comes out because Anise cannot handle this. Like, having to explain (laughs) things. Having to, yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And she said they had their suspicions, but only after Shonak died. They really did hope that this had worked. But now we can use Tanith against Bigold because Tanith doesn't know that we know. (laughs) They don't know that we know that they know. And she looks like disinformation. <laughs> just like, and exactly like you said, without having any doors, like, I'm yeah. sure he's gonna find out soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> so they're gonna try to play this out for a few months. They think they can do, and once they're done with him, then they're gonna try to extract any gold secrets in any other way that they can. Jack's like, we're concerned about the host. Anise takes over here because, you know, we're, yeah. we're cold-hearted again. Because, that, yeah, I was going to say, now it's time to be cold-hearted yeah. again. So. <laughs> like, he knew the risks. We'll try to remove him, but, you know, things happen. This is a war. What do you want from me? Good yeah. times. So, cool. <laughs> Later on in Tanith's chamber, Tanith comes up to greet Teal'c who we got a close-up of his face and he's repeatedly clenching his jaw over and over again. So it's pretty clear that he's pretty angry and trying not to be obvious about it. (laughs) Tanith is being all apologetic for Tilk's loss. Tilk says, well, to look upon you, I know it's not in vain. And so they're doing their best to play along with the Tok'ra as they've been asked to do. And Tanith promises them that one day he and Tilk are going to meet again and together they're going to remember how much Shanak meant to both of them. And it will be wonderful. And then Tilk says, yep, we will meet again. <laughs> that is a promise. Yeah. End of episode. End of episode. Did you like the episode? I did. I'm going to try to, like, explain this. So we have Tilk, right? No. And Tilk is, like, oh, Miss... <laughs> okay, we don't have a Tilk. We have this <laughs> this bald man with a tattoo on his forehead who is yes. a very straightforward guy and it is very like played up in this episode particularly where like in the beginning when Shonak is like you don't believe me and they're like we're not saying we don't believe you and Teal'c's like no we don't believe you and Jack's like well you know what Teal'c is saying and Teal'c's like I already said what I said man <laughs> I said exactly what I meant I feel like that it was very particular in this episode and even in the scene with Tanith at the end the things mm-hmm. Tilk actually says can be taken both ways. So yeah. Tilk is like, to look at you and know that Shonak's sacrifice will not be in vain. Yeah. he That's deceptive, but it's also honest. And true. We will meet again. I promise. That's clearly. Yeah. Tanith is going to die. To many <laughs> yeah. things, he says. Right. And then we have the Tok'ra and the gold who are extremely secretive and deceptive in a lot of ways and like it's just such a polar opposite of Tilk that yeah. I felt like it was a really good contrast of that in this episode and then with the humans particularly through Jack in this episode Jack would prefer to be straightforward but he can understand when you need to be secretive and stuff and he doesn't really like the Toker right. that much because they're so secretive and unhelpful in his view so I really liked that that, like, mm-hmm. sort of characterization of all the different 
parties in this episode. <laughs> That's a really interesting take yeah. on it. So I think overall I enjoyed that. It was obviously all talking, which is fine, except for when you have to talk about the talking, in which case then it feels like it just goes on forever. <laughs> but while I was watching it, Very it kept true. my interest. Obviously they're setting up new things we'll be able to see. This whole Tanith subplot, I'm sure they're not going to just drop like they dropped Tilk's wife. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, I did enjoy the episode. I agree that it felt a little bit tedious to try to recap it because it was just so much talking and dialogue. But when I was actually watching it, I, I enjoyed it uh, a good amount. I didn't even really think about any of the things that you said. But now that you mentioned them, I think that's a really great point that you made about all of those things. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> if I had thought about that while I was watching, it probably would have <laughs> increased my enjoyment of it even more. Towards the end, I did think it started to get a little bit predictable because they've already talked many times about how you can't take a gold and convince it to not be bad. So Yeah, true. Even if it turned out that Shanak was talking to her symbiote, I thought it was pretty obvious that it was going to still be evil despite what she believed because it's, it's so well established that you can't retrain them because they've just got the memory of all the others that have come before and that's just who they are that's the ingrained in them from the beginning and into their genetics really yeah since they're supposed to have genetic memories you can't change that but aside from being a little bit predictable towards the end that it wasn't gonna <laughs> end so well i still enjoyed it yeah it didn't help that their innocent man did not look like an innocent man no, like it did not yeah it, that definitely did not help he looked very sinister and like a bad guy so <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what it is about him either, but... Me either. But yeah, I agree. He looked for sure like a bad guy. I'm like, well, this is never going to end well with a guy like that acting as host. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah. Strange casting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's next? Okay. You're full of candy. I just noticed your name. Oh, yeah. My uh, coworkers have all been bringing in so much candy. There's a lot of candy in my office. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to keep eating all this candy, even though I should eat my lunch instead. I'm like, but I could just eat candy instead. Candy's better. I didn't even get to have any lunch because I just had too many meetings with students and we were out of my normal snacks that I would bring with me. And then I tried to at least get a snack out of the vending machine and it was broken and everything was the worst. But then I went to Starbucks on my way home and everything was fine again. And that's my fun story. The end. <laughs> it was a great story. Thank you. The next episode that we're watching is Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 5, Divide and Conquer. Netflix says, During a meeting with the Tok'ra High Council, Major Graham goes berserk, firing uncontrollably upon the Tok'ra before taking his own life. Huh, that doesn't sound good. No idea who Major Graham is. We'll find out. Yeah. The booklet says, when an SGC soldier under the influence of a Gould mind control device. Wow, this one just gives the whole thing away. <laughs> Good times. Or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, when an SGC yeah. soldier under the influence of a Gould mind control device attempts to assassinate a high council member, SG-1 must uncover other potential assassins, even amongst themselves. Before the president arrives for a mm. crucial summit meeting. <gasps> Ham, it's best Yes! Day. Oh my god! Ham must be so excited! I, I wonder if they're gonna have a slumber party uh, and stay up all night. I was gonna say they're gonna do each secrets. other's hair, but Hammond doesn't have any to do. <laughs> so they can paint each yeah. other's nails. Tell ghost stories. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The ghost stories. Yeah. They can eat cookie doughs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jump be on the times. bed. Make, right. Make crank calls. Yes. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they could play Mad Libs. Remember, we used to play Mad Libs at some <laughs> Yes, I love Mad Libs. <laughs> it's so silly. It's very silly. Oh, sorry. I just saw the description for the next episode after that. Oh, oh. my God. It's such a good episode. Ooh, I don't know what it is. Don't tell okay. me. Okay. No spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers. As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can also support the show and contact us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash stargatesing. I actually just added a new $2 tier for anybody who's interested in supporting the show, but who doesn't really quite find themselves in the financial position of supporting us for the full $5. You can at least be a supporter for $2. And it won't necessarily get you the full access to everything, but we appreciate anything that anybody can contribute. You can always find us on our website at stargatesing.space as well. And we are on YouTube if that is your preferred method of finding podcasts. Is that everything? I think so. Yeah. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. (laughs) And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. She and Drew should. She, the woman, introduces herself 